Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dragon's Cast. I almost said Dragon Speak right there, Bill. I'm just starting strong. Um, this week, it's, uh, it's November 5th, and uh, it's big time. It's here. The season is here. It, it snuck up on me quick. I don't know if it's the, the Halloween turnaround or whatever else, having a kid now, but um, the season's here. I'm excited about it. we got a lot to talk about here and in this episode. Uh, I'm joined today by Bill. Hey, Bill. Hey. And Anthony D'Angelo. How are you doing, Anthony? Doing well. All right. Because the three of us, Leon, I believe, if I have it correct, is in Tahiti right now on the beach. So we'll be missing him today. But I hope to have him back soon. Hope uh, you and your family are healthy, Leon, when you get the chance to listen to this. And happy. Um, we're going to open up talking about uh, a little bit of what we had on the last podcast because uh, apparently... Um, and I know this, right? Like, uh, you know, when you go negative, you get more, more response, you know, on the blog from everything else over the years. It's not like it's a subtle thing that's unknown in the internet. And it's why you see a lot of junk that's out there. But I think we were negative about NIL in the last podcast. And I think there was reason for it. We've, we've spoken about it offline of, of the four of us, uh, Bill Anthony, Leon and me, and, and uh, certainly stand behind what we said during that episode. But I know that was, uh, some feedback that we received and, and, I want to say this first of all. We'd love to receive the feedback. Uh, we, we love hearing from folks and um, being more informed, as informed as we can be, and also just hearing what you liked or didn't like about the show. So please keep letting that roll in. But um, some of y'all, you know, really thought it was something that needed to be said on the NIL front, and um, you know, a little frustrated with where the program is and the fact that you know the, there's no collective of Drexel today, and there is in a lot of our peer schools. So. Um, that's a challenge, and it's it's that's, that's as true as it gets. And certainly, when we come out of that Mike Jensen article in the paper, which spoke to you know had some quotes that were were dubious about Drexel's future at NIL, um, from Aisha herself, you had to question that and be where we were. And I think people appreciated having the conversation. Um, the flip side is is there were some folks who came out um, in the administration and outside and kind of said. Um, you know, hey, there's been progress in space. They are taking NIL seriously, and you know, it's just not public. You know, there's some things that aren't, they can't be out there yet, and I, I understand that to a point. Um, again, the quotes in the in the Jets piece really question NIL as a whole, kind of was a philosophy. So I, I don't understand that if we are really this far away, uh, this far along on the NIL journey. Um, but I'm I'm glad if we are. That's great news, and hopefully uh, coming to a theater near you soon. Um, and if it is, I hope that it's a collective that is strong, that is well-funded, and that can continue to fund our athletes well into the future. I think you know something that is sustainable is key, and, and taking the time to set it up and do it right is important, but also a sense of urgency is important, I think. And I think that's that's where we end up on this one. And, and I'll turn it over to you, Bill and Anthony. And do you have anything else, else there on that one or any other further, further thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, if that article didn't come out, I don't think we even have that discussion. I mean, I think we're a little bit, you know, impatient on it anyway, but that article really, you know, pushed us to even talk about it, I feel like. So, you know, I'm glad to hear that something's going on. Um, hopefully we'll hear something soon. And, you know, all we, all we all want here is for the, you know, university and the team to be successful. So glad to hear that something is in the works. And like I said, hopefully we hear about it soon. No, I concur. Uh, yeah, I think you said it, Bill. We're all striving for the same goal, and 
Uh, I started my comments about it last time saying that, uh, you know, the things I heard were discouraging. Uh, some of the things that I've heard since then uh, are encouraging, which is great. Um, so, you know, definitely looking forward to seeing what comes and yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, cheers to success and future success of Drexel basketball. It'd be, no, it'd be great if there's something something material to report, um, you know, throughout the season at some point, that would be fantastic news as we, we look to the spread recruiting period and everything else. I know Bill, we talked a little bit recruiting offline, but, um, you know, it's, it's, um, a lot of open space right now. We're expecting, you know, at least a couple of spots that are open right now. And then you never know in this day and age, right? What, how many spots you're going to end up with. But if you, if you know, you have two open, you certainly want to have the NIL in place to start worried about both retaining who you have, which I actually think is the key to NIL really is retaining who you have. Um, but also being able to attract other talent. So excited to see where that goes. Um, got a good shuffle. We were talking before, before this podcast, we'll pivot over to, uh, CA play kicking off. Well, uh, basketball play kept kicking off on Tuesday on the, on the seventh here. And, um, I got a phone call from an old friend, Alan Boston, who, uh, said the Campbells are coming. The Campbells are coming. Um, so he's, he's high on Campbell this year. So, um, obviously, uh, Charleston is kind of the flag bearer right now coming off of a, a great season last year. And Wilmington looks like they're going to be competitive. I feel like every time we played them last year, it was just a knockdown drag out. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of expect more of the same really high level. I think all three teams can be top 100 teams. Uh, I was talking to somebody else about this, and I think a lot of folks are in that mindset. And if Campbell's coming strong, you know, the idea, I think, if you if you thought the last year and said there, there could potentially be four top 100 CAA teams, people would be, you know, looking at you like you're crazy. So um, I also think that we had the newcomers of the league kind of fall on their face last year, and it wouldn't be wouldn't be bad for one of the newcomers to really come out and, and put on a good show. So I don't know if it's be a top 100 team, but, um, you know, if, if Fallon's right to be high on these guys, it'd be great if uh, if they're a competitive piece of the league. We have a, a strong top half. I think we're all sleeping on Hofstra a little bit too because they're always kind of there. We're not talking about them. But, um, well, Bill, it's, you know, is there anybody else around the league that you see that jumps out at you? You know, you think we're missing no, I think you covered it pretty much. I mean, the only thing that I want to add is like about the the bottom newcomers of the league. Like they need to step it up. I mean, we can't have them dragging the entire conference down. Um, I, I remember the I don't know if it was was it 2012. Um, I think just when Towson was so bad, or was that 2007? I don't remember which one it was. Where Towson was so bad that even playing them had lowered our <laughs> our lowered our chances of getting the tournament. I mean, I think we crushed them twice. But they were just that bad that it dragged us down. So we need the, you know, the bottom half of the conference to at least be decent, um, especially out of conference. But no, I, I was surprised to hear about the at the Camels. I don't know much about them. I haven't researched them much. Um, you know, like you said, Hofstra's always going to be good, um, but losing Estrada is, I mean, that guy killed us. So I'm I'm hoping we should be take a step above them just by them losing Estrada. But we'll see. The 2012 Towson Tigers, by the way, they were a uh, they had a win against Wilmington at home at the end of January. It was a five point win. That was their win. Um, so it was a one in the season. Oof. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did not help. Did not help to play those guys one bit. Swept them, but it didn't matter. Right, you just played them. It was a killer. 
the net and stuff like that's gotten a little bit better with that stuff, I think. Uh, but you know, track the schedule, track the schedule. Um, we know we had the uh, the blue and gold, whatever it's called. But they had the student students out there, right, to uh, at the deck uh, this week, and we had some exciting news. Uh, Anthony, you want to? Anybody missed it on social media? You want to? You want to pull by the curtain? Sure. Um, yeah, I think the blue and gold night is what they call it. You know, I'm sure they have pizza and some giveaways, some swag to the students that come. Um, wasn't the largest attendance, but there were definitely some students in the building, which is good to see. Hopefully get some people excited for, you know, at least the, the first home game against Temple. I, I did, as an aside, I did hear that, you know, there uh, may be a bus heading up to Alney on Tuesday for the LaSalle game, which is awesome. Uh, that really, really excited me. I think I also heard that the Spirit teams might be heading up there too, which is which is great. I mean, I think, you know, the Spirit teams coming to the visiting venues for these big five games is exactly what it should be. I mean, that, that that's that's exactly the way it should be happening. So that that's great to hear. Um, but yeah, sorry, uh, the uh, the blue and gold night. Uh, I think the highlight was uh, they were it was a ten thousand dollar half court shot. Uh, if 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 it was made, and uh, I'm not sure if it was just one shot or a couple people had a chance at it, but uh, one lucky student did hit the half court shot, and uh, I think some pandemonium ensued, and the teams rushed the the court there and celebrated with them, and uh, it was a and it was a clean half court shot. I looked, I made sure to check. His feet were behind the the half court line, so he, it's all all good there. So, uh, but yeah, it was uh, fun to see. I'm I'm sure it was a fun time had by all, and um, just hope all those students are you know hopefully they can get on a bus to LaSalle this week. But uh, if not, come pack the deck a week from Tuesday uh, against Temple. I was wondering about like if he takes the big step over the line, like a lot of people do. Like, are they going to pull it? Like, is Maisha back there with a big asterisk on the check? He's being like, no. Whoop! Gonna pull it back. What I will tell you that you know some half court shots by like that are sponsored by companies and stuff. They are pretty particular about that stuff. Like it's like a thing. Like there's people there from the company to ensure. Like it needs to be on videotape. You need to be behind the line. Like they're serious about it. Uh, I don't know now. I don't know where the money was coming from here. I don't know if it was just like a scholarship from Drexel or something. So I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I've I've heard about people being real, real sticklers about it. I'm just excited it's 10 grand, because I know for a while there was like, you got like books or something, like, like it was a really, it was like a really terrible prize for making a half court shot, like, so I'm, I was excited that the guy got the, the full bag, as the kids say. So it's um, good on him, good on him. Um, great, and I love the team's reactions. I loved, I felt that it was, because it was genuine, you know, like I, they were really excited for the guy, they came out, they mopped them, a um, lot of fun, so pulled to all yeah ten thousand dollars is a lot for you know a college student ten thousand dollars is not for me so you know like i'll I'll take that i'll leave that there i'm not gonna go further in terms of ten thousand dollars we already had that conversation i'm gonna leave it smart man all right um we'll pivot let's let's um let's get to the teams as we we look down on tuesday and wednesday season kicks off we'll start on the men's side although i think we got we got a lot of stuff on the women's side so i want to leave a fair amount of time but Men's side, I mean, we've got a, a kind of a decent feel for, you know, 
the rotation, right? I mean, I hope at this point um, that you're going to be seeing um, Justin Moore. You're going to be seeing maybe a healthy Amari Williams. Wouldn't that be something? Um, you're going to seeing, you know, I think Mate Elkmus again, uh, probably taking the uh, Coltrane role maybe back. Luke House will be out there and Lamar Odin. And I think that's that's the projected starting five right now. Um, one thing that I did took a look at, last year's team wasn't a bad offensive team by any stretch numbers-wise, but was by far the worst three-point shooting team in Zach Spiker's tenure. I think when he walked into that season with Lamar, Mate, Coltrane, you know, we thought that that was one problem that we were going to have. And I, I do think part of it is that five-out offense because there's just not this, enough spacing. You can get a little more like test spot when the defenders are going to move five feet to the next guy when, you, when they're doing rotations. But uh, I still think, you know, obviously Lamar Oden underperformed. Obviously, you know, we didn't get what we expected out of the point guard spot on a three-point shooting. You know, but Coltrane underperformed last year. Mate didn't play as much as we expect. Like, there are a lot of reasons for that. We're bringing back a lot of these shooters this year, and, and kind of I think that just the law of averages, law of big numbers. Um, you know, if it was less than like thirty-four percent this year would be really upsetting. It was about thirty-one percent and change last year. Um, you know, coming off of I think two years ago it was like thirty-six or something. So, so um, obviously we take a lot of threes. So offense takes a lot of threes. A couple percentages over the course of the season is significant to the offensive metrics and numbers. So. You know, you want to see a lineup that's going to be able to space. Um, and if they still want to go five out with Amari, so he can run, pick, and roll, and, and everything else. Um, yeah, there's ways, there's ways to do this. But um, curious to see what the coaches have up, actually, to to make that work. Get the balls in the right people's hands, the right places. And um, ultimately, especially see uh, what Justin Moore can do. Because uh, he, he started last year, obviously, dreadfully, and that, that pulled down the number. I think he was, we, we were almost mocking it for the first half of the year because he was like one for a lot or something. It was, it was pretty pretty rough early on. And he, he got that straightened out. And obviously, I mean, looked like a total stud at the end of the year. So see what's going on there. But with all that said, is there a guy that's not on that starting five and not Yame Butler, who I think we're penciling in as a sixth man, but we expect to see a lot of minutes. I and mean, this is a guy who put up almost 20 a game when he, when he started. Uh, you would think he could get on the floor. Jokes aside, we'll, we'll get there. We'll see how that looks. But is there anybody besides those six? Um, who's he? Well, put it this way. There's a lot of guys who could be your guy, right? There's a lot of potentials. You know, and that one damning thing about depth is that only five guys can play at a time. Like, depth only doesn't really help you that much, right, in, in the last five minutes of a game. You know, unless there's foul trouble. Yet, yet. But, like, realistically, it's your five against their five, your best five against their best five. And your best five have to be better than their best five. So who's, who's the guy you think that's not in that six that's a significant impact player or, or that you think moves the needle a little bit, Bill, uh, this season? I mean, I feel like I'm going to die on this hill of Shane Blakeney because he's still not played and no one has actually seen him um, on the collegiate level. Um, but he's kind of my wild card for the season, I feel like. If he's capable of doing what I saw him in high school do, I, I think he could be a really good player for us. Now, is he healthy? I don't know. Is he, you know, fitting in the system? I, I don't know. But for me, he's he's the guy. I mean, there's other, there's, like you said, there's teams loaded with depth. There's all, you could pick a number of guys and there's a 
You know, I could go with someone like Jamie Bergens, um, who I think could play a big role too. Um, but I feel like Blakeney's ceiling is just higher. So I'm going to go with him, even though I may be completely wrong at this point, since it seems like no one has mentioned him at all in terms of anything I'm hearing. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I'll stick with it. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to go with Lucas Monroe. Um, and I don't know anything. I have no inside information. Just he's a senior. He's, you know, by all accounts, a guy that's going to do the dirty work, get the rebounds. And, and I just have this kind of sense about this kid that he's going to provide like a stabilizing force on the team. Like for some reason, I can just kind of feel him getting minutes down the stretch of close games. And maybe I'm totally off base on this. This is like total speculation on my part. I, I have nothing with which to base this. It's just a gut feeling uh, that I could see him with Lamar and Amari down the stretch of games. Um, the three of them, Justin, and then somebody else. Maybe it's even, maybe it's even Yami. Um, those five kind of like at the end of games. Uh, nothing against Mate or Luke, not, not to suggest that they're not going to get crunch time minutes too, because I definitely think they are, particularly Luke. Um, but I just kind of, you know, you asked me to pick one guy. I think, Bill, you picked the other guys that could be possible answers to this question, really. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of, just a hunch. We'll see if I'm right. I mean, I, I think you're right on that, Anthony, though. He's going to, I think he's going to play a big role. I mean, he wouldn't have transferred over here if he didn't think, you know, there's going to be some minutes there. And even though the team is loaded, um, you know, he's, he's a guy who can defend a lot of different positions. He rebounds at a high level. Um, he brought the ball up for Penn. So, I mean, he's a guy who can, you know, be probably a secondary um, ball handler for you. Um, yeah, so I, I would anticipate him getting a lot of minutes. He's just not a good shooter and isn't going to bring a lot of offensively. So I think if you surround him with shooters and, you know, enough offense, he could be on the court a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a role for both of those guys, right? And I expect them to be in that top eight or nine for sure. Um, I think I think both those are interesting. I think Late in the games, I want foul shooters out there, and, and Yame Butler was like an 88% shooter last year, and Mateo Chris, I think, was taking free throws you know, when he was a freshman. So uh, you got some good options. Luke House was an 88% free throw shooter. Like, you guys can put a bunch of guys who can hit free throws on the floor together late. Um, so I think that's interesting. Um, I think that's good. I want to say he's not he's in the starting five that we mentioned, and I'm sure he will be, but uh, Luke House last year, 21st in the country in offensive efficiency, guys. Like, 21st in the country in offensive efficiency, you expect him to play for Kansas. Like, that's that's for real. He doesn't turn the ball over, and all he did was take smart shots, make baskets. Like, he's just a quiet guy because he's super efficient, right? And he doesn't need to be more efficient this year. He doesn't need to have an increased role. I think he will probably have a little bit of one, but he doesn't have to force shots. He doesn't do anything else. And the cool thing about this guy who was 21st in the country in offensive efficiency last year is he's our third option. He's going to be the third option in this offense. That's crazy. Um, 
So he's he's not on the list here to be discussed because he's in the starting five, but I think he's not being talked about enough. I think I don't think he was in an LCAA team, and um, he's a guy who's going to be incredibly valuable to this team this year. Not to mention, um, you know, clearly the work rate off the court, leadership values, everything else. Um, he's a guy I don't think a lot of us thought much of when he came into the program. Look what what he's done with with Zach Spiker working his butt off and where he is now and and really um i think having that third option have that outside score that i think we can depend on coming in is huge so takes a lot of the weight off of mate as well um yeah I, I just he's a perfect fit right here and i want to talk about him a little bit more the guy who's not in the starting five and since you've taken some good names um, and obviously jamie versions is, is going to be vital as a backup point guard spot even though we expect um Justin to do the yeoman's work at the point. The guy I'm kind of sneaky interested in is Cole Hargrave. Um, we don't talk about the bigs a lot because it's, it's Amari, right? You're just going to put him out there and let him soak up minutes. But Garfield Turner had a nice season for us last year. But Cole kind of provides a different um, a different level of of physicality and, and, and kind of presence underneath the post. Um, they he got a few more minutes as the season went on. Part of that was Amari's injuries. But part of that, I thought he started looking the part a little bit. And, you know, usually kids in that role, you know, at that age, start making a jump. And if he progresses a little bit, he gives us some flexibility in what they want to do on the floor. You know, you can get go big, like we talked about the past. You could just have him out there. I, I think he's an interesting, again, I don't expect more than 10 minutes a game, but can he give you some, can he, go, can he let you do some things? And, and hey, who knows? Maybe he, he impresses us and, He's also probably, you know, making me have a very significant role the following year. So um, I'm sure you can see how they grew a little bit. But I think I think he's a meaningful name. I kind of want to see um, how how it works out with him and Garfield and, and that rotation behind Amari. So obviously, whenever we can save minutes for Amari, is good. Good and keep that guy as healthy as we can throughout the season. I mean, the thing about this team, Dan, and you mentioning you know Cole, is that. I don't think there's a single player who you hate being on the floor. I don't remember, you know, a team that we've had where that's not the case, where I'm like, okay, this guy shouldn't be seeing any minutes. Um, I mean, there's people who might not see much time. Like, I don't know how much Forrest Simmons is going to play just because he's a freshman and, you know, we have so many players in front of him. Um, same thing with Kobe. Like, I don't think you hate to see Kobe out there, but. There's just so much depth that it's going to be hard to get those guys minutes. But if they're out there, like, I wouldn't feel bad about either one of them. You know, like, I feel like any of these guys, Hargrove, Turner, I mean, those guys have, there's a drop off from Amari, right? But I mean, you still don't feel bad about having them out there. Um, and that's one of the most reasons, I, that's one of the biggest reasons I'm excited about this year is just, you know, being a child at so many different lineups and kind of seeing how Spiker handles it. Along what you, the line of what you said, Bill, one of the craziest things is that the guy that you probably at this time last year would have said that about, that you don't want to see him in, is Luke House. And he's what, 21st in offensive efficiency last year? <laughs> it's just, his, his, his development is still just like blown my mind. Like I, I smile whenever I think of him because it's just like, if there was anyone that ever exceeded expectations, wow. Yeah, I mean, coming in, I didn't, if you told me he was going to start, I would have told you that we're going to be pretty bad. Um, 
that's what I would have thought having him out there. It would have been a dire situation, but he has, to his credit, I mean, he's worked his butt off. He's become a really valuable player to the team. He's hit a lot of big shots. You know, he it's, it's not a problem having him in the game at all. In fact, it's a plus. So, I mean, kudos to him. I'm, I'm amazed, too. There were, I mean, there were always last year, I was, you know, early on where I was like, Yame is totally out of control. Like, that guy shouldn't be on the floor. Like, and those two guys combined... You know how many games do they keep us? That was, this was a this was not a bad team at the end of last year. It's largely on the backs of those two guys. So clearly, one thing we know about Coach Spiker is he does value the full roster, um, up and down, and uh, well, it can be tough to get guys minutes at times. Um, you know, I, I think yeah, clearly right now it's it is. There's there's nobody there's nobody that you're kind of laughing when they go into the game or you're cringing when they go into the game. Uh, and I know in the past we've had coaches who would laugh when they sent somebody to a game. So this is uh, this is new and different, and it's cool. I bet your practices must be just obscene right now. They play five on five. Um, pretty cool to see the scout team. You know, scout team's going to win some games in the ECA this year. You know, that's that's going to be real, real competition there, and it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so let's pivot here because this was the easier starting five. Uh, not shocking with a lot of returning players, but the women's program. Oof, um, a little more of a challenge. Went through the roster earlier today. Have some thoughts. Um, obviously, we see, um, we know we have um, Grace O'Neill back. Uh, Lane McGurks very well talked about. They brought in a couple of grad transfers. And I, I would expect them to play, and Aaron Doherty certainly coming over, um, and Brooke Mullen, um, Brooke in particular, coming from uh, Nova. Um, that's, you know, she started every game for Villanova last year. I would expect her to start at Drexel. Um, you have had a, you've got some, some interesting options. You've got Chloe, um, kind of riff a little bit. One thing that most of those people have in common, they didn't score a lot of points in Division One basketball last year. Um, so we, we have some passers, we have, we have some bigs. Anthony, how do you kind of, if you're composing a starting five, or if you thought one that needs to get some scores out of there, what would you be looking at? It's tough. My my guess is that we're going to see Hedda starting at the five. Um, she was the starting five last year, so I, I, I have to imagine she's going to do that as well. My guess was that Chloe Hodges will start at the four. I, I know she kind of came off the bench last year, but... Um, she is was one of the leading scorers that remains. Um, she, she really changed the quarter too. I thought she really played better in other health issues and whatever else that they talked to us about. But um, she really played better. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. She she played better and better. Um, I mean, Grace is going to be the point guard. Uh, that that's pretty much set in stone. Um, I I have to imagine Brooke Mullen is going to be seeing major minutes if not starting I, I i my guess would be that she's starting i mean lane mcgurk is somebody that i've heard a lot about uh we might be counting on her for some offense so i guess that would be my five to start um you mentioned Aaron doherty i i, I think that um i think amaris baker i think the transfer in is is kind of one of those offensive 
um, you know, forward players. So, so maybe uh, she could provide a little. Uh, the other person I'm going to mention is Erin Sweeney uh, because she seems to be somebody who, you know, the coaches have been high on. I, I've always talked about, you know, even going back to the Denise days, there always seems to be that one player who maybe played more of a supporting role throughout their first couple years and then kind of breaks out at the end, kind of just like comes onto the scene. Uh, I do know that I think Aaron uh, in their tour in, I think it was Ireland that the women went to this past summer. Uh, I think Aaron hit a, a game winning shot in one of their, one of their games. So, um, and she just kind of fits that MO of, of that player that's kind of been there, has gotten spot minutes here or there, but never really was a true contributor, but might kind of come through, you know, as a senior uh, and do that. Um, but I, that's kind of what I see at this point. I mean, Jasmine Valentine, too, actually. I totally forgot about her. Uh, she is probably going to be, if not starting in that you know, the, the forward rotation too. I, I think I saw a picture of the team recently and Sarah Ba, who was a junior forward, seemed to be on crutches with a knee brace on. So uh, that is not a good sign for at least her out-of-conference availability. We'll see if, if, if that means, you know, this is a, a redshirt year for her. But um, Momo LeClaire is a rising junior who got some minutes as a freshman, didn't play last year because I think she had a knee injury. Um, so she may factor in behind Grace, maybe backup point guard role. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. I, I think they may have a, a starting five that stays pretty consistent, but I, I don't think there's going to be, um, other than maybe Grace, I don't think there's going to be players playing 38 minutes a game um, other than Grace. Like Kishana would come out once for a breather for a minute or two. I don't think there's going to be much of that this year. I think there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. I think there's going to be, you know, a lot of 20 minutes here, 18 minutes there, 15 minutes here. And, you know, you're going to be by committee piecing together a lot of this stuff. I mean, unless there's somebody that just, you know, if Lane McGurk is just an offensive sensation and kind of comes out of nowhere and, um, you know, is explosive as a freshman, which would be incredible. Uh, but I also hesitate to just kind of bank on freshmen being that productive right off the top. Uh, so we'll see. My expectation is that Grace will be on the floor the majority of the, the game, and then there's going to be a mix of just piecing it all together with uh, with players sharing minutes. Anthony, I... I... So, it feels like one of those out-of-conference seasons, kind of like Denise used to have, where they're just figuring figuring ish out, you know, and they're, they're going to play a lot of different ways, and you're going to be okay losing a couple games that maybe you shouldn't have lost because you're figuring out who fits where, and, and you're really kind of focused on conference play. Um, and I'm okay with that. You know, it's a transition year, obviously. Um, you do have a couple of those grad transfers in who are only one of your people, so, so that changes the math a little bit and obviously the NIL environment you never want to be playing for three years from now you only play for this year maybe next right so yeah uh, you, you better figure things out quickly I guess is would be the point for Amy um my question for you is simply you know we, we put a lot of stock in Grace I'm a big fan I'm a big believer I think she's on the court for 38 minutes game I think you're probably right 
but you know when you have um a uh an aaron doherty who um sorry brooke wellen you know she started every single game for villanova last year i think at the point you know she was seventh of the big east in assist do you take grace off the ball do you do you are they do you really sit somebody who comes into the grad transfer with that resume i think that's a tough thing to do i think you start both um I, I think you start both and you, you trade it off. I mean, yes, Grace played a ton of minutes last year, and yes, she was the starting point guard, quote-unquote. Kashana brought the ball up the court and initiated the offense plenty last year. Now, a lot of the times Kashana was initiating the offense for herself, and I don't mean that as a knock on her at all, uh, because it's not. Uh, it was a lot of the times by necessity. But, um, you know, Grace wasn't the only point guard last year she you know she was not the only person you know setting up the offense bringing the ball up the court Kashana did it plenty um so I think you can easily start Grace and Brooke and have them both handle those duties I mean and Grace is I think decent at like you know coming off a screen and taking a a pass and and putting up a a jump shot from the elbow or, or from the foul line so that's not something that I'm concerned about with her um yeah, I, I don't think they're those two are gonna ha- are gonna be competing for minutes. I, I think they're both. If anything, I, I would say those two are the surest bets for the max minutes or the most minutes on the team uh, easily. Uh, I think there's gonna be a lot of changing with with the down low. I think Hedda and and Chloe and um, and Jasmine are gonna be sharing those minutes the, the three of them are going to be kind of mixing and matching you'll see two of them then you'll see another two and they'll kind of be all over the place um they're going to be uh, probably yeah not none of the three of them is probably going to play more than 20 minutes regularly um but yeah i, I think grace and brooke are going to be pretty constant up there um and then you know we'll see what happens with everything else it's funny you know hannah niles back on staff right so the first thing i do when brooke signs right is probably put her in a room with the two of them and be like, you know, Hannah and Kishana brought the ball up together. It worked out okay. You know, we were in the NCAA tournament. Now they each scored about 20 a game while they did it. But, you know, we can all we can all get along here. Um, you guys are both too talented to, to fight it out. And I think Hannah, man, what a great fit to have on the staff when you've got that situation with two two folks who, who belong on the court and can bring it up. So that'll be cool. I think Yuri Dallaros feels good and you know what? Yeah, um, shame on me for for overlooking Amaris. I mean, I think it was like twenty seven a game in D two last year, so she can score. Um, and I think again, if you if you're a coach and you're going into the season knowing you're going to need to replace some scoring, you're going to find a way to get somebody like that on the floor. And, and yeah, if, if Lane McGurk can compete at this level right off the bat, uh, that's a that's a bonus. You, you find minutes for both of them, and that you know kind of becomes your five. But it's interesting. There's, there's another team here where there's kind of a lot of different combinations and a lot of different ways that could go kind of in some ways like the Met where you're going to match up a little bit. You're going to figure out where you are in the game flow a little bit. You know, is this a game where we're going to, you know, we're, we're having trouble stopping them Well, we may need to get some more scoring on the floor. You know, is, it, we, is it a height issue is what, you know, you can match up. So um, kind of a fun team. Now that we've just excited to see what they do and, I almost don't want to watch them until like mid-December because I don't think they're going to know who they are until then. 
And I don't want to, you know, overreaction theater from the first few weeks uh, will, will be a thing. But I trust in Amy, and she seems to have a decent amount of talent at her disposal. So I think they're picked middle of the pack, like six or so in the CA this year. And uh, I want to see them just whip up, whip rather, you know. You're really sleeping on the, on the Drexel Dragons after the years and years that they've put being, you know, the flagship of this league uh, on the women's side. I'd love, I'd love the idea that they could potentially be sleeping on them. I think the same thing, Dan. I mean, you just have faith in the coaching staff, right? Like, this is a lot of unknowns. Um, you know, if this was on the men's side, we had this many unknowns. I don't know if I'd be as confident um, in the team, but I'm excited about both these teams. I mean, for the men, it's, you know, there's tons of depth, a lot of talent, a lot of opportunities that if guys stay healthy, uh, even last year, I think it could have been better, right? Like, we had a lot of guys hurt towards the end of the year. Um, a lot of guys stepped up in sections of the year, like Yame was big in the section, and then, um, you know, Justin Moore was huge on the end of the, the stretch, so I'm excited about that. And then on the women's side, there's just, it's almost like a mystery box. Like, you don't quite know who's going to step up. You got some new people coming in, but there's just that faith that they're going to be good because of the coaching staff. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes, but it's it's an exciting year. And I think everyone should be, you know, happy with it to see the product that's going to be put out on the floor on, on both sides uh, this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much excited. I am going to print out, if this was the men's side, I don't know if I feel like confident, I'm just going to print that out and put it right over Zach Spiker's doorway, office door, so you can just look at that every day. Um, it's not it's not that I don't have confidence in Zach, it's just... You have a lot of confidence in it. I have I have a lot of confidence, Amy. Thank you, Dan. That's exactly what I was looking to say. There you go. Right, we'll find phrasing. So hopefully we won't get any. Sorry, sorry, Coach Spiker. Hopefully we won't get any hate calls from uh, from 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 Coach. You avoided Marshall after last podcast. I don't know. You're 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 treading on some thin ice here. I know. All right, Marshall is. I really have to rile Marshall up to you know jump on the podcast at four a.m. in the morning or whatever time it is over in uh. In England, when we're uh, recording, usually it's been done once. It will be done again. I have no doubt. It will be done uh, at some point this year when we go over the schedule. Um, when it comes up, I should note that I'm wearing uh, official F, uh, athletic gear of the Princeton Tigers. Uh, no good reason for this tonight. I just happen to be the first at the top of my drawer, but repping rep the wrong wrong people today. So feel free to be angry from overseas or anywhere else, folks. Go Tigers! Um. All right, we've got. Um, let's do. You guys want to preview like now to Tuesday? Say we'll we'll do it, uh, the first three games of the year for the men, and we'll see if we can reconnect before the uh, the great home tournament, the Market Street Challenge. Um, which you know, very excited about. Don't get me wrong. Um. So let's start off with the men where, and I know we've done these previews uh, a little bit offhand last time around, but uh, I think we were all two and one at the end of the stretch or at LaSalle at Winthrop and home against Temple. And one, one thing I want to say, I think we all had us beating LaSalle. I, 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 it's been keeping me up at night, not quite that bad, but the first game of the season is always more of a coin flip. It's always a little bit of jitters. It's always a little bit like this is a night when a lot of upsets happen that first game of the season. And I, I want to hope that the team rolls into LaSalle as a team with a chip on their shoulder, something to prove this is our first game of the Big Five. You're finally letting us in. Well, now we're going to show you what we're about. Rather than 
we know we're good, right? Because if you roll in to Fran Duffy's home court with swag on first game of the season, thinking that you're just going to roll them, I think you're really setting yourself up. Like they're not going to. Lasalle's not going to be bad this year. They're not going to be great, but they're not going to be bad. Like you're going to go into a legit D1 team's house, and you shouldn't just be walking there thinking you're going to win. And I'm a little bit worried with all the hype going into this year that we're set up for for a bit of a awakening in that one if it's mishandled. Um, so that one probably is actually concerning me more now that we're close to the season than it was in prior pods. Um, I'll still have us going one on one. If we lose at LaSalle, I think we can win at Winthrop, vice versa. And then um, Temple all day long. We're, we're winning that game. Sold out deck. Come on, baby. Anthony, um, you go. Go ahead. I agree with you, Dan. Uh, as we get closer to it, the LaSalle game does, you know, I get a little nervous about it. I mean, I, I think we're the better team, and I, I still would pick us to win. Um, I feel like it's going to be one of those wins that's going to be an ugly win. Like a, a win where you're just going to be ripping your hair out the entire game and then they'll come away with it at the end. If I remember last week or last week, last year when we played them there, it was ugly. Like neither team wanted to win. It, it was just like both teams had like 20 points at halftime. It was, nobody could score. It, it was pretty low scoring, if I remember right. And I feel like every game we play there is like that. I don't know if it's the arena or the rims or, or what it is, but it just seems like games are not super high scoring at Gola for whatever reason. But um, but no, I agree with you. I, I'm kind of in that same boat where I am getting a little apprehensive about it just because I, I feel like it's there's been so much like, oh, we're going to beat LaSalle. I mean, we could easily lose. <laughs> but... Um, I'm not sure if it just jitters and excitement for the season and starting to fret, but um, I see where you're coming from. I'll still pick us to win that game. I, you know, Winthrop is trap city. I mean, just, uh, <laughs> you know, Rock Hill, South Carolina, it's a, you know, it's a flight for a couple hours the Temple home game coming a couple days later, especially if they beat LaSalle. I mean, I I, I mean, <laughs> I picked them to lose that game last time, and I would again. But I also will agree with what you said there, too. If they were to lose to LaSalle, I'd feel more confident about them winning it at Winthrop because they're going to be more focused. You know, you don't want to get off to an 0-2 start with Temple coming in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think just as a Drexel fan in general, I'm never – overly confident about anything except outside of maybe the 2012 year where we just won like 20 games in a row uh, and the confidence started to actually build um i'm just never particularly confident and also i'm a raiders fan so the confidence over the years of two teams just especially the raiders beating <laughs> beating me down is taking its toll but um you know we should win this team's uh potentially could be the best team since that 2012 team so the question for me is, are we closer to them or are we just, you know, another good Drexel team or is this, you know, an all-time great Drexel team? And you're going to see it in these couple games. Like, we should beat Temple. We should beat LaSalle. We should beat uh, Winthrop. Like, if you're that good and we're healthy 
and you want to be one of those great teams, you got to take care of business against teams, um, especially out of conference, get some big wins. Um, but am I confident? No. <laughs> we could easily lose the South, uh, especially the big five ones. I feel like we've had a lot of letdowns, even with some good directional teams. I think we just go over to these other, other schools and just lose these games when we are more talented. Um, and this goes back to Bruiser, too. Not, this isn't just... This isn't Spiker in particular. It's just a Drexel in general. So, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited, though. Either way. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game on Tuesday. I've always said Zach Spiker didn't have... And I think I've told this to him, so I think I'm okay saying it. But, uh, Zach Spiker didn't have problems playing on the road. He sees a lot of problems playing on the road. Um, but uh, I think it's... Uh, his team's bad teams don't play well on the road, and he had bad basketball teams uh, his first few years. So, you know, you're not going to win on the road with a bad team. It's, it's simple as that. Um, he's got a good team this year. He's got a good team this year. He should have something to prove. So, intrigued to see how that goes. Um, Bill, I'll also tell you, because I'm father of the year over here, my uh, my three-year-old here uh, is, is in, a, in the NFL Eliminator pool. And uh, she woke up this morning, and I was like, "Bridget, it's Sunday. We're gonna we're gonna do picks. Um, yeah, you gotta pick. You gotta give me a, a football team." And she goes, "Patriots, right off the bat." You know, as a as a father, as a Patriots fan, of course, I swell up with pride. But also, I was like, "That's a terrible idea." So I was trying to think about how to navigate the situation with a three year old, and uh, I started. You know, I walked her through some of the other choices at the breakfast table. Here's some other games that are going on, and, and she came out of it was the Patriots. And all I wanted to say was, like, they lost to the Raiders. Like, but she wouldn't understand that. That's not going to be awful to me. So she picked the Patriots and we have one last entry in the pool. But, um, you know, that was a, it was a good good teachable moment. So we, we, we learned, we coach up, we continue on. Um, proud dad, though. Proud, proud dad moment. Uh, but, yeah, they lost to the Raiders. You can never pick them. Terrible, terrible things. At this point, at this point, if, if my daughter picked the Raiders, there wouldn't be a proud moment. I'd be listening. You gotta, you gotta be smarter than this. In fact, I'm thinking of redirecting her to another team if she does uh, want to follow football at some point. There's been too much pain over 20 years here. This is, I'm not trying not to subject her to it. A good friend of mine, also in our pool, uh, was uh, was at Raiders Giants today, and left at halftime because the Raiders were winning so badly. So let's take that. You know, this is a strange, strange world we live in. They got rid of McDaniels, man. That guy was awful. Now, this is enough Raider talk for this podcast, but I'm glad that guy is gone, and they look better for it. And there you go. Also, Patriot talk. We've got full circle. Guy, the guy at the game today, by the way, was a Cowboys fan, so you'll know who that was. But um, yeah, 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 it was uh, it was just a mess all, all in all. Um, all right, so let's flip over. Then I think we we know where we stand. I think everybody's got us two and one coming out of these first three. Is that? Bill, are you at one and two or two and one? Two and one. Two and one, yeah, okay. So, come these first three, that's where we want to be. That's the benchmark, we'll call it. Um, now, obviously, I expect three and oh, anything less, and we should probably consider fires the next Um I kid because I love. Let's go over to the women's side. Um, again, three games in that span. They are, two of them are at the deck, and then they head to Delaware State. So they've got Norfolk State at home to open the year. Norfolk State looks good this year, by the way, um, at Delaware State. And then LaSalle, that also looks, looks like they, they're competitive this year. So um, 
I'll say, um, man, again, so many unknowns, so many unknowns. But I think they should win at Delaware State. Delaware State's usually prohibitively bad. And give me the split at home. I'll also put them as two and one. Although I feel like I feel like the men should be two and one, and I feel like with the women, I'd be happy for two and one. Um, but they, you can't go five hundred when you're five three games. So I'm, I'm leading two and one for the women, uh, and I'm expecting two and one for the women. So I would tell you, um, Anthony, why don't you tell me where where you've got the ladies? I think that's a good prediction. Um, I, I also think the Delaware State game is a win. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you which of the two home games we'd win and which we'd lose. We could easily win all three. Um, Norfolk State, I think, is typically pretty decent, or at least it's going to be tough. I know LaSalle, we lost to at LaSalle early last season. Um, I think that was a high-scoring game. I, From what I remember, we lost by three, I think. Uh, I don't know what they've lost, if they've lost anybody. Um, but, I mean, those two games are at home at least, so that's a positive. I know there might be some extra emotion for the opener on Wednesday the 8th uh, because they're retiring Kashana's number. Much deserved. Um, that's going to be, I think, a pregame ceremony, maybe 10 minutes before tip, 6.50, or I'm sorry, 5.50 with a 6 o'clock tip. Uh, so... People are going to have to get there early uh, to see Jersey go up in the rafters. I think this will be the third on the women's team, if I'm right about that. Um, Yost and Marginian, right? Yeah, I think this is number three. And the men, I think, only have the two, right? Anderson and, and Rose? Um, uh, yep. Yeah, so... Jenny uh, Trippett hasn't gone up yet. Yeah. <laughs> Well deserved for for Kashana, and that'll be great. Uh, nice to see. It'll be nice to see her. Um, and uh, they didn't mess around and waste any time, which is nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, the team is kind of a question mark. Roles are unsettled. It's it's, it's hard to predict it, but I, I think you're right. I, I would say two and one winning at, at Delaware State, but the other two, I, I couldn't even predict which one's going to be a win and which one's going to be a loss. If, if forced, I'll say we'll beat Delaware State and lose to LaSalle, and it'll be 2-1 and one that way. Yeah, and it is. It's a pregame. It's a 6 o'clock tip, and it's a pregame ceremony, so, you know, 5.45, 5.50. Listen, I know it's going to be tough for a lot of people to get there, um, tough for me to get there, but four times in history have we raised – Somebody's name to the bet to the rafters. This is a you know generational almost uh, almost moment here in Drexel history. If you have the chance to get there, I, we definitely definitely try to get there. Um, so it's going to be a, a great uh, accomplishment and a great thing to see. You're not you're not just not going to have a chance to see that very often. One other note before we move on on the uh, the Norfolk State piece. Um, yeah, two preseason publications that I look at both have them as a top two hundred team, so they're not bad. Uh, but interestingly, they play tomorrow. They play uh, probably before this podcast will be out there. They play Monday night at William & Mary, and so it will not be their opener. It will be the Dragons opener on Wednesday, but not Norfolk State. I don't know if that's an advantage to them uh, because they have a game under their belt. It probably is, but it's a really quick turnaround, like William & Mary and then being, being here two days later for the out-of-conference. Uh, I think they're both on the road for that, although 
more focused to believe it's not much of a trip but yeah that's a that's a, that's a tough schedule right out of the gate yeah drexel's actually starting late comparatively both the men and the women i think most teams both men and women open tomorrow um so you know the guys start one day later the women start two days later but um yeah a lot of teams will have already played a game i mean not lasalle just because it's the next day uh from opening day but um yeah that's that is quick for for norfolk are they at home they're opener in norfolk state do you know no they're uh road road and road out of the gate so i mean again going to kaplan for them is you know a 45 minute bus ride it's not the end of the world but um, you know, coming up here two days later is there's not a lot of study time. I mean, I guess they it's not like there's gonna be tape on us anyway, so figure it out. All right, Bill, where do you got the ladies in the first three? I'll just go one and two to mix it up. I mean, again, there's a lot of unknowns. I just think though it's gonna take a little bit to gel, like you said earlier. So let's go with one and two. We're gonna get Marshall on this podcast just to stand in the corner and <laughs> smack you around when you need to be smacked around. That's it's gonna have to happen. I think he'll be stateside in like a week. So, well, that's I forgot about that. If anybody else wants to just fill an application to be Bill's heckler, Bill's personal heckler on the podcast, or when he's a negative Nancy, um, we're accepting applications basically twenty four seven for that role. I'll, if there's three or four of you who want to do it, I'm I'm in for this. I, I, I don't mind seeing Bill take a beating. Um, right. I think that takes us through, um, yeah, just the, the little note I had. I, Anthony, you mentioned it, but that LaSalle men's game to kick off the year, there is a student bus going. I hear it's full. Um, dance and cheer will be going. It's our first game of the Big Five. They're doing it right. And uh, many thanks to the folks at Drexel for getting that done and doing it the right way. Uh, I think, no, I speak for you guys who talked about it. Road games, you know, those are the memories that really I hold. Um the, the relationships that I built, the community that we built, and all it's a lot, so much of that is just being uh, stuck on a bus together and, and stuck in the stands together and meeting new people and building relationships that way. So, thrilled, even if this is a tiny, tiny version of one. And so, it's still in town, but this is a great way to kick things off. Really excited about it. Hope to be there on Tuesday. Uh, I know Anthony will be up there and, and um, well, team rewards the fans, uh, rewards. Everybody we have, you know, at that point, the fans are, are into it and the team's into it and doing things. And we, you know, hey, NIL's working in the background. We're getting that, that, that whole thing ramping up, right? This whole program is ramping up. And that's where we want to get to. That's where we want to be. So um, everybody's pulling in the same direction, as X-Bike would say. So excited to see that. Any last things that we start the week for you to? Go Dragons. Get some wins. Yeah, nothing much for me either, but the same. Go Dragons. Let's... uh. Let's make some noise. You guys sound really, really excited. We are taping this at 10 I like hired old men, but <laughs> ignore that for a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Dragon's Casts. It's game time. We'll be back with regular recordings. We'll have a schedule. We'll let you know about it when we figure it out. Uh, but check back with your local listings, and we'll, we'll try to get the news out more, uh, releasing more pods. And thank you for listening tonight. Let's go, and let's, uh, let's beat the South. Here comes Big Five Flight. Let's go.